to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back for the second Sunday of Pentecost for the week of June 23rd, 2019. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I am excited that we are entering into these beginning steps of the Pentecost season. And I think it's a time where the church has such freedom in a lot of ways that we can be able to start thinking about as we're progressing through summer, do we change things up? Do we do something different? I'm going to right now plan on staying with the lectionary as it's going through. But if there is something that you would like to hear that's a little bit different, let me know and I'll see if I can tie that in also. But I think this is such a revitalizing time. This is a time where we can really do a lot of the building of the church and a lot of working with and discussing new ideas and we think about moving forward as a church community. What are we needing as the church at this time and in this season? And I think that's kind of fun, especially compared to a lot of the rest of the year where we have some kind of set in stone types of ideas that, yeah, we need to go through this. And where the summer months that we have here in the States, the season of Pentecost, opens that door up a little bit differently. So I would encourage you, if given the opportunity, to explore it a little bit and really think about what are some different things that you're looking for in this season. So before we go too far this week, I want to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Coming out of Luther Seminary in St. Paul, it gives me, as a layperson, a lot of direction. And if you're needing some additional help to be able to listen and read from professors or other highly consulting figures within the Christian religion field, I'd highly recommend checking out workingpreacher.org. The second thing before we get into this week's podcast is I would like to look back at last week's Twitter question. And the Twitter question for last week was, how do you see the Godhead in your daily life? And I think there's a lot of times where we do see it in a lot of different ways. We don't necessarily always see it straight away. And it's one of those things I think we have to, at times, really stop and reflect upon. So, for instance, I think there's a lot of times where, when I look back, I can see how the Holy Spirit was guiding me along. I think there's times for me, I really like going out into nature to see the Godhead. I really see it out there with just how there's worship, I feel, within nature. And I think there are times that if we stop and really listen and look for it, we can see it. But I think there's also a stillness, a calmness. And when I read scripture, I see that Jesus at times is really taking those times to slow down, to reflect, to process, to be able to do all these things that we that are called into ministry in all of us really because we're all called into some type of ministry we need those times where we reflect and think and are processing what's all going on and i think in the world in which we're in right now it disincentivizes that which i think is a problem because that's not how ministry works and i think it's one of the ways that as a christian we can really stand apart is just taking our time to observe, to absorb, to contemplate, and not necessarily be the quick reaction people that the rest of the world is expecting us to be. So let's dig into this week's text. The text this week for the gospel is out of Luke chapter 8 verses 26 through 39. 
And this is where Jesus is entering Gentile territory. He's entering into Genesis, and there is this man who comes out whose name is Legion, and he has all these different demons and spirits that are working within him. And so Jesus is then dealing directly with those. He ends up talking to them and telling them to leave this man. And they then ask if they can enter into a herd of swine, which they do, and drown the swine immediately. The swine owners are notice this and run the town to talk about it. And when they come back, they find this man completely different, that he's in right mind, he's clothed, he's sitting there and listening to Jesus. And then Jesus tells him to essentially go home and proclaiming what has been done. And I had one of my preacher friends share something with me this week, and I would recommend it if you haven't checked it out. It's from the book Luke, chapter 1-1 through chapter 9, verse 50, and it's by Daryl Brock. And in there, he talks about what are the seven characteristics of demon possession, and he describes them as disregard for personal dignity and nakedness. We see this. Social isolation is number two. Return to basic shelter. Demonic recognition of Jesus's deity demonic control of speech, shouting, and extraordinary strength. And we see most of these in this passage, that he is this way. When he even says that his name is, it's legion, which is a number, a large number between six and 8,000. And yet then we see this changed man at the end, who is totally different, who is totally transformed and been transformed. And then Jesus sends him away to go and proclaim and talk about what God has done for him. And I think there's a point here of the difference between isolation and working together in a group. And I think that's really the point this week, but let's continue on to kind of see that point come through. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 65 verses 1 through 9. And this is Isaiah kind of going through and discussing what it means that when being called by God, that we're not meant to do this in isolation. And that there are a lot of times that at that time, and I would argue still even today, we look at it just as this personal relationship. And that's not entirely what it was meant to be. Yes, that's a part of it. But a major part of it was also working in a community. And when you look through this, there's a blessing of working together that is then being said and talked about here in Isaiah. And with working within that, we're able to actually see God in a much more evident ways when you're looking at this Isaiah text. I would argue, though, that the alternative first reading, I think, better exemplifies this point. And I think it's just an easier text to kind of go through. And the alternative first reading is from 1 Kings chapter 19, 1 through 4, alternatively 5 through 7, and then 8 through 15a. And this is where Elijah has just killed the prophets of Baal. So Queen Jezebel is going to the king Ahab to tell to get rid of this man. So Elijah then flees into the wilderness and is essentially talking to God, just kill me. I don't want to live. This just is crazy. The alternative section there 
is an angel making sure he's fed as he's going along this journey. And Elijah just completely isolates himself then in going into a cave and is questioning everything that's going on. And God kind of comes to him and says, have I not provided for you? Have I not been there through this whole time? Why would you think that I'm going to abandon you now? That he loves him so much and his people and that to go and to continue doing the work that he has been called to do. And I think it's a point that we have to remember also the character of Elijah. That this is a man in the Old Testament was the only person that we know of as a prophet that did not die. He's the one that goes up to the sky in the chariots of fire. So here he is, and if you're looking at it, looking at verse 3 and 4, he's asking for God so that he can just die because he feels alone. The psalm this week is Psalm 22, verses 19 through 28. And this one is a bit of a different psalm. Yes, it still has some praise elements, but it's looking at how the Lord has continued to be there for them and has provided for them. And it's like we drop into almost the middle of a prayer here because it isn't just a praise and adoration type of uplifting. It's acknowledging all the different things that God has done for his people. And from that, then, we are able to praise and glorify God. The second reading is from Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. And this is then discussing how Jesus changed things, that we're not just encompassed by the law, that Christ is now the identity of who we are. Coming from verse 28, no longer Jew or Greek, no longer slave or free, no longer male or female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus, that we're all just encompassed by the love of Christ and that we're all in this together. It's through the faith and that the identity that we have within the human context fades away. So how does this relate to science? Well, I found that there was a couple different things in which we could look at and to discuss. So the first one I want to grapple with and understand, and it comes from Neil deGrasse Tyson, I found a really short clip where he is talking about deep space. And the question becomes, do humans have gravitational force or do humans have gravitational attraction? This idea of if you removed all these things away, if we were out in deep space and there was no planets, no nothing, and we were the biggest thing out there, would there be attraction? And the answer is yes. And actually, we even here on Earth have our own small gravitational force field, if you want to put it that way, around us. The problem is, is gravity is just stronger, so we don't see it. But we are drawn to things. We are drawn closer, and things are drawn to us. It's this idea to me, when I hear that, that we're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to just be tackling this on our own. And I think that's really powerful to be able to think about and to contemplate and to really consider. Because when I think about science, when I think about how this all works, that's the whole idea. How often, and we've looked at some different scientific papers in the past, 
But when you look at a scientific paper, how many people it's crediting is helping with that. And then as you read through the paper, you realize how many times they're crediting other people's work. See, science is built upon the idea that I have something, I test it, and that you should be able to repeat that study and see if you get a similar result. And if not, let's figure out what the differences were. Or maybe I had a bad result to begin with. The whole idea is that we're building off each other. That's to me, again, if you haven't read Freedoms of a Christian, I think this is so important when we're looking at the world today. Luther discusses that we have an inner person, the relationship between you and God, your personal relationship between you and God. But because of that relationship, because of all the things that he does for you, it inspires you to go out and to share that good news with others. And as you're out there, you will meet other people talking about their faith and what God has done for them. And you will see God working in miraculous and marvelous ways through other people and through you. And so thus you come back around to sharing your faith. And then you go to God and be like, look at what you were able to do today. Look at how you used me. Look at how you used that person. It's a circle. The equal value between the personal relationship And sharing that faith. And when we're sharing that faith, we are no longer just alone. We are with someone else. I think this is something that we in the world that we're in today at times glorify that first step, glorify that personal relationship just with Christ. And we forget about the importance of the second step. The importance of being together in a group, the importance of working together, the importance of I did something, God did something amazing, I can't keep it just to myself. We need to share it. It's through that sharing that our faith really grows. It's the same way in science. If I discovered electricity and sat on it for 200 years, people would ask when they found those journals, why haven't you shared this? If I make a great discovery, I write it up so that other people can see if they can verify the same thing so we can move forward. There's been times we've talked about Nikola Tesla. And Tesla, I would argue, went crazy at the end of his life. And when you read through the stuff about Tesla, part of it was when he got his funding pulled out toward the end of his life, he was alone. He wasn't with anyone. And so some of the theories and things that he was being quoted of being said were nuts. We all know that there are times in our lives that we need to go and bounce ideas off people. We need to run different ideas by people. And it's a major reason to me why in science you include multiple people. You include people of different fields so that it makes sense within their field where you're not as strong. Faith is not any different. We are not meant to do this alone. And God is telling us to trust that I am with you and I will put you around the right people that I need you to be with. But you need to trust me. Isn't this amazing how in a way this still ties back to last week and the Godhead? That we're going and seeing God working within the world. And we know because we're resurrected people through Christ Jesus what that means and has done for us. And that the Holy Spirit then is guiding us through all this. And that we can then start to see the Holy Spirit not only in us, but in others. If we isolate, we're limiting the power of what God can do in and through us. 
that's hard. We are not meant to be alone. I mean, even when you go through scripture and we hear the line, where two or three are gathered, I am there also. That's coming out of Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. We know that when we are gathered, and I argue in my own small corner that he says two or three, being that the second being the Holy Spirit within us so that we're never alone. But adding in that third person, we aren't meant to be alone. We're meant to have Christ with us, walking beside us, but pulling us toward other people, pulling us toward other parts of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're meant to do. And we see it all the time in science. We see it in working collaboratively. We see it in the workforce. We see it around us that you constantly are trying to find other people to be working around and working with to continue to move us forward. And faith is the same way. We aren't meant to go through this alone. It helps defend us from the pitfalls and the enemies causing us to stumble. And when we're able to walk with others, we start realizing and seeing the gifts that God is still providing us, even through hardship. And that's one of the powerful gifts as a Christian we can have. And sadly, in a world in which we're in right now, that's what the world needs. The world needs to see that. The world needs to see the changed people that we are through Christ. Seeing that we are not just trying to pump ourselves up, but working together with others to help bring them up by encouraging them, having them know that they're not going through this alone. Life is hard enough. We aren't meant to do it alone. So the Twitter question this week will be, where are you seeing God in others? And the reason that I'll phrase it that way is because it forces you to go out and to look and see it in others. Where are you seeing God in others? We're in a world where we need to do that now. We've glorified the self enough. We need to be able to work together to get through major issues and major things that our world is facing today. And to do that, we have to work together. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.